Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 130. I think I'm finally, finally starting to learn (laughs) how useless it is to try to change someone else's mind. It's something I've known for a while, but I think I'm finally, finally starting to understand it, you know, viscerally in my bones that it's fucking stupid to even try. And the image that brought it home is the Gordian knot. No one has opinions in isolation. They're not, they're not distinct like a spool of thread. They're all entangled with each other so, so completely with so many other threads and over so much time that trying to isolate one thread and follow it back to its beginning is, it's impossible. It's impossible. You lose the thread almost immediately or, or it bifurcates and unravels, splits, I don't know what the right word is, into two threads or into four and then eight and then 16. It's like the, the human genome where, where every phenotypic effect is driven by thousands or maybe by every individual gene. Look, maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. But I think this problem has gotten worse. People don't have ideas. Ideas have people. Now, that's always been true. But lately, there are no more safe topics. There are no topics anymore that don't wind their way right into the heart of this Gordian knot. Every topic now is tangled into the ego. Every topic is tangled into people's fundamental identity. So every disagreement becomes this like existential attack. So I need to keep this truth in front of me. (laughs) And I need to continually remind myself, don't try to change people. Don't argue, accept. Support in healthy ways if possible. And, And if I feel like I have to engage, Matt, try to engage by understanding their their Gordian knot, the, the infinite complexity of why they believe what they believe. In a sense, I need to try to recreate their Gordian knot in my own mind so I can see the world from their point of view. Now, have I mentioned lately that I'm questioning everything? I'm even questioning the value of questioning. I'm struggling to put this into words, but I used to think that if you were curious and you posed a question, you could then go research it and you would come to, if not the answer, at least a better understanding of what the answer might be. And more and more, that framework seems to be breaking down, right? Like two very simple and topical examples, COVID and the election, I blush to admit this, but I've spent a non-trivial amount of time trying to understand both of those topics, and I feel like I understand them less now after some real work than I did to begin with. And that's a very fucked up state of the world. The result is I'm questioning the value of curiosity itself. (laughs) I'm questioning the value of even trying to figure things out. 
And that, for anyone who knows me, is about as extreme a statement as I can make. I'm a devotee of Richard Feynman. I tended to believe that there was an objective world where there was a truth, and that truth could be, you know, triangulated towards through the scientific method. And as a result, I've been a very conscious and deliberate learner my entire life. You know, I'm... (laughs) I'm one of those overeducated nerds with the thick glasses and no street smarts. I mean, it's amazing I'm still alive. So where am I going with this? Well, I've been rereading some H.P. Lovecraft. Lovecraft wrote horror, horror stories, unheimlich horror, uncanny horror. Lovecraft writes about forbidden knowledge, people who are curious who want to learn the truth, and then they learn the truth, and it destroys them. Lovecraft gets credit, you know, if you can call it that, (laughs) for the philosophy of cosmicism. And cosmicism, which comes from cosmic, it's kind of this brutal mashup of existentialism and nihilism, with unfathomable horrors with tentacles thrown into the mix. In cosmicism, the universe is completely indifferent to humans. And and it's not just indifferent, it's so alien that it's beyond our ability to understand. And those who do catch a glimpse behind the curtain, those who catch a glimpse of, of reality as it really is, promptly go insane. Cheerful stuff, I know. I'm generally a happy person. So when I have a spell of moroseness, I notice. And my, my bluest period was in uh, 2004, maybe, 2005, after I read The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins. And The Selfish Gene explains the role of human beings in the universe. No spoilers, no spoilers, but it's not pretty. (laughs) And his argument, at least as I remember it, is unbelievably convincing. Damn convincing. Convincing enough that it made me despondent. And it really changed how I think about things, about myself, about society, about how to live my life. Now, was that a good thing? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And I suppose this is super arrogant of me to say But I don't think that it would be healthy for everyone in a society to read Dawkins and to be convinced by what he writes. Info hazards are real. Truth itself can be dangerous, especially when when you're exposed to only part of the truth, to only one side of the truth. And especially, especially when you're very susceptible when you're easily persuadable. You know those nets they put over young trees to protect them from the wind? When you're vulnerable, when you're undeveloped, you need to be protected. You need to be kept safe so you can grow up, you know, straight and strong. Now, Dawkins famously compares religion to a mind virus. A mind virus. And at a very shallow, simplistic level, I think he's right. Religions are these huge, organized collections of memes, all wound together, just like a Gordian knot, right? 
And so some of these memes are basic truths. The golden rule, the importance of empathy, the the luminous fact that it is selfish to be selfless, that it is in our own self-interest to be selfless. Now, some of the memes in religion get picked up along the way because, you know, they're just generally useful for any memeplex, for any religion. For example, I don't know. For example, have lots of kids. Destroy or convert anyone who doesn't believe in your religion. And then, and then these memeplexes, these religions or philosophies, call them whatever you want, they battle it out in the war zone of our brains. <laughs> they battle for the prize of our minds. And here's the rub. There is a slot in your brain that says God under it. There's only one of those slots. And that's why most religions have as their number one rule, no other gods. <laughs> and all the other slots in your brain report to that slot labeled God. And once an idea gets into that God slot, well, it's pretty much stuck. And that's why the Jesuits, those fucking pricks, say, give me a child until the age of seven and I'll give you the man. Creepy. So creepy. Here's something creepier. Cordyceps. Cordyceps is a fungus. It gets into the body of insects and it takes over their nervous systems. It takes over their brains. It hijacks their brains. And the cordyceps makes the host act in a manner that helps cordyceps reproduce and in doing so kills the host. If there is forbidden knowledge, then cordyceps is forbidden knowledge in the vein of H.P. Lovecraft, in the vein of Junji Ito, who writes manja. And trigger warning, if you have not already read Junji Ito, do not read Junji Ito. <laughs> that shit doesn't come out of your head afterwards. It's worse than Baby Shark. <laughs> so ideas can be creepy. Ideas can be dangerous. Ideas can take over your brain. The different ideas that so far have filled that God slot in our brains, they've all shown that they're not terrible. <laughs> they're not great necessarily, but they're not terrible. 3.6 Ronkin, not great, not terrible. But today, that God slot is empty in a lot of people's brains. And there are some truly horrible, horrible ideas finding their way into the God slot. Ideas that, that explicitly rank the races, like white supremacy and critical race theory. Ideas that know exactly how to get to utopia. And all we have to do is break a couple eggs, like critical race theory. Ideas that reject the soul, that reject the idea of the divine, that, that reject even the concept of common values that reject even the possibility of communication and instead see everything as a power struggle to the death between competing identities, like critical race theory. If you're of the woke, our decadent society never bothered to fill your God slot with something that was relatively healthy. Now, what's healthy? 
You know, what does that even mean in terms of an idea? A healthy idea is one that's been tested by time and and it's rooted in in robust traditions. It's grounded in a continuity with the past. It's it's based in a knowledge of history, a respect for history. What's healthy is seeing the divine in every person. And if you're of the woke, you got none of that. Everything you learned was a lie. And you're just like that young tree that was left unprotected. The wind knocked you over. You got played. You got played by a hostile, invasive idea, and it has taken you over. And when that idea is done with you, it's going to spit you out. And then you'll just be another dead ant or a dead wasp on a twig with a spore growing out of your head. Anyway, that's all I have this week. I will catch you later.